Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. Morning, church. Wow, I looked out. I'm sorry. There it is. It was five years ago today, today, that... uh, we did a huge bylaw revision here at Cobblestone and established eldership in our church. Our church hadn't been founded with eldership uh, over the years uh, by many, many different means. The Lord called us into this New Testament model as, as we read it in Scripture. And, uh, and we got it established five years ago today. It's, it's kind of strange. And we've been uh, operating in that and, and listening to the Lord for, for, for more. Like, what else do we need to know? What's all in Scripture, our understanding of Scripture has, has picked up a lot of speed in the last five years. So the elder, the elder board, is, I'm a little reluctant to call us a, a board. We're quite, probably not that formal. Um, but there are six elders right now. There's Andrew, Jeremiah, myself, Bill, Rich, and Daryl. There are three men who've been, who have come to the place where the current elders have said these men are, are ready to present to the church. We believe there is a calling on their lives to be elders right here at Cobblestone. There is a compatibility and calling that applies right here. I'd like to bring those fellows up right now and introduce them to you. Come on, fellows. It's time. Stand right there where it says, glory to God. Yeah, there's a random piece of carpet up here. I bet you did that, Andrew. Like, graffiti, like he tagged this rug and laid it here on the stage. This is uh, Hugh Craddock and Ed Gomes and Tim Moore. Um, Some of you know, some of you don't even know the current elders. And that's something, honestly, I've said to folks just lately, um, if you want to know more about uh, what God's doing in Cobblestone, I would love for you to know the elders and the staff better. And it's been tough these past eight months to really stay in touch and stay familiar with, with anybody. But work with us here at church. Let's work together to get more familiar just with the current elders and with the prospective elders. Some of you know these men, and you know their families, Hugh and Jennifer, and their kids, Harrison and Dean and Clara. Ed, his wife, is Miranda, and their children are Joseph and Ruby and Daniela and Silas. And Tim, his wife, is Ginger. And their children are Isaiah, Ella, Thea, and Eliza. And if you know them here at church, there are also places these men are, men are known. There are biblical qualifications for eldership. And there are two pertinent, I mean primary, that's the word I want, places in Scripture. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. And then Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9 that lay out. They are parallel and complementing lists of qualifications for elders. That has been the, the, the primary basis for us examining their calling here in this church. Right now, we're at a point where uh, our bylaws, which, you know, were considered, uh, along with Scripture, we want them to, to work with Scripture. Our bylaws require a 30-day period to present and then open it up to the congregation. Member, regular attendee, people who know these men, whether in church or in the community, in the workplace— to tell us if there's really any biblical, compelling reason why they should not be elders. So you're looking into those two scripture passages first, in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 1, 
Those are the scriptural qualifications we're looking at. If you were thinking, I'd really like for Hugh to shave the center section of his beard out and go with lamb chops, that's not, that's not exactly it. No, right. That, that could happen. That could happen. And that wouldn't be a disqualifier, actually. You know? But this is the 30-day period. Um, if there is a compelling reason, if you think the Lord's telling you, like, look into this, then that reason needs to be brought to the elders. Uh, beginning with one elder, and we'll take it to the, the group of elders. We, we are compelled to investigate if you bring a compelling reason, and we'll look into that. First uh, Timothy 5.19 says that if it comes to the point of, a, of an accusation, wow, do we even say words like that in church? Um, but it's in Scripture, so yeah, we say it in church. If it comes to the point of accusation, that, that matter would have, be, have, to, have to be established um, on the force of two or three witnesses. But here's the 30-day period. And, and as much as anything else, our familiarity, uh, you three, we six, we becoming the, the nine, that's what I'm hoping for most of all. This church is a family. First Timothy 3.15 describes us right here as uh, the church of the living God, the household of God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. That's what Jesus meant for us to be, to be speaking the truth in love to one another. This, this is definitely the time. So these men have been praying, uh, current elders have been praying, asking you, church, to join in in praying. Next month, we don't have the exact dates established yet. We're going to get the family together and uh, lay out some vision and direction and identity for the church, which includes a whole lot of familiarity with uh, the shepherds here at Cobblestone. But as we enter into this 30-day period together, together, I would love to pray right now, the Lord's blessing over that particular period of time. Oh, Father, we are looking to you. Lord Jesus, you are truth. You are truth. We want you. We want truth. We want blessing that comes from truth. Holy Spirit, I love that name Jesus gave you, John 16, 13. Spirit of truth. He said you would guide us into all the truth. The Holy Spirit, guide us into exactly the truth the Father has for us in this matter here. Lord, over these next 30 days, pray that you'll uh, help us to, to, to look inward, uh, to bear witness uh, with your Holy Spirit, Lord God, on, on this matter right here. Father, we trust you and, and, and the words you've ordained to be in our Bibles to describe what we're, what we're doing here. So, Lord, in faith, in faith, we trust you. This is going to work, and this is going to be glorious. It's going to bring uh, joy, and it's going to bring comfort, and it's going to bring blessing to this house, and it's going to bring glory to your name. Father, we trust you with that, and we wait eagerly, Lord, with great anticipation to see what you're up to in these next 30 days. Father, lead us and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, fellas. All right, whoa. And now I will sing, uh, I think I'm going to recite, if, that, if I have this all correctly, I'm supposed to recite the entire uh, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, <laughs> I'll give you a lot of C.S. Lewis. There's a closet over here. I found this in the back. I had to grab it. I had to. 
And, and if you guys know, um, <laughs> the reading plan, we've been in Judges, and I thought, boy, this looks like Judges right here. This just looks like we've been in Judges. So I now I'm just going to you know, have it right there. Oh, man, sometimes I wish I would grow up, and so does my wife, but uh, we'll get there. But yeah, so we've been in the reading plan um, here as a church, kind of encouraging, challenging, pushing people to, to read through, and we've been in Judges. Andrew kicked it off last week. Um, unfortunately, we, it's not an exhaustive teaching plan that tracks with the reading plan, which I say unfortunately because there's so much good teaching in Judges. There's so much good to learn in so many of my personal favorite stories, like, of course, Samson. I grew up in the 90s as a teenager, and so anything Arnold Schwarzenegger did, I was like, uh, Stallone and Schwarzenegger, apart from Jesus, have probably inspired me the most in my life. Have you ever heard a preacher say that? I don't think you ever will. Probably shouldn't ever hear a preacher say that, um, but that's the truth, and so um, we're going to get into Judges. It's not, we're not, I'm, I'm going to kind of give a little bit more of an overview, um, and then we're going to get to talk about the fun thing of how the Lord chastises those whom he loves. So just, just let's just pray, because that's something we need to say. All right, Lord. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that as a church, we've been going through the word, and I've been learning so much, Lord. I learned so much from the Old Testament. I learned so much about your character and your love and who you are and what you do and how much you pursue us. And Father, as I kind of jump into Judges and then jump into a, a little bit, at times can take on a little bit of a heaviness with how you chastise the, us. Father, let our hearts receive it. Let our ears receive it. Don't let, us, don't let us be children that are like, oh, I don't want to even hear this. But Lord, let us be open. Let us be receptive. Let the grace of God be here. Pour out your mercy and grace upon this message. And help us not to leave the same. Help us to get a better and a clearer picture of how much you love us and how much you're willing to do to keep us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for this word. Thank you, God, that it would make sense, at least somewhat, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. So the, the hero in Judges is God. It's just, I'm just going to start out. He's, he's the hero. Has anybody noticed my water? I'm sorry. I'll get into my message here in a minute, but I have to. Does anybody know my water's a little pink? All right. So my wife gave me these packets this morning. And they're like called built packets, which is supposed to like boost my immune system. Because let's be honest, there's, there's a thing called COVID going around. So I, I'm, I'm like, let's boost our immune system. So she gave me this, but it says built. So I kind of wonder if she's not trying to get my, my six pack back from when I was a teenager when we first met. And it, for those of you that work out and stuff, I've been on a balking phase for about two decades now. So... <laughs> I, I, I tell her, I was like, babe, I'll get, my, I'll get my abs back. I'll get my abs back one day. And it's like, it ain't happening. It's, I don't, unless there's something magical in that, it, I don't think it's going to happen, babe. You just got to get used to this. So anyways, I just wanted to comment if you're thinking, why is his drink pink? So, all right, go to Judges 2. Andrew touched on this last week. Um, and I kind of, I know the reading, I think, started at 9 or whatever, but this will help actually share what I'm talking about. Judges 2, 11 through 14, okay? Chapter 2, 11 through 14. 
And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. You'll see this a lot. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, and who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods, went among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed down to them. They provoked, look at that, they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord, served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, which is foreign gods. 14, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And what did he do? He gave them over to plunderers who plundered them, probably with that axe thing I had, those kind of guys. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. So you see... It starts early. Chapter 2, they come out of all the wonderful teaching of Moses, leading of Joshua. They have all the word. They end up, and of course you guys know the story. In fact, I think last time I talked about it, they didn't obey the Lord and run out all the Canaanites, right? They basically didn't obey God. God said, this is going to be a problem. You start to co-mingle. You start to live in the sinful mindset of foreign gods in a foreign land. And guess what? You start to walk like the people, the children of Israel and judges started to walk. And they started doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Judges 4, 1 and 2, you don't have to turn there, but it says the same thing. The people of Israel started doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And so what ends up happening, and you'll see this over and over and over again. So they do evil. God gets mad. God does something disciplinary to them and says, straighten up, kids. And guess what? The disciplinary part pushes them to a place where they say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive us. We repent. We've wandered from your truth and your way. Help us. God says, I love you guys. God anoints a judge to be anointed to rise up and to be a deliverer. And usually in this case, to conquer armies, lead wars, and to give them freedom from some sort of ites. There's a lot of ites in these guys, Amorites, Hittites, you know, there's a lot of them. So deliverance comes in that form. You see it in Judges 6.1, the same thing. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. They cried out, God delivers them. Now look, at, look with me, Judges chapter 10. We'll skip over to Judges chapter 10. I'll read a little bit more. 10, 6 through 16. Let's just read it. The people of Israel, here it is, again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, the god of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of Ammonites, the gods of the Philistines. They served a lot of other gods other than our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen? So I don't know why I'd say amen there, but you needed to say amen there. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So look, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of the Philistines, into the hand of the Ammonites. And they crushed, oppressed the people of Israel for 18 years. They oppressed all the people of Israel who were beyond the Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. And the Ammonites crossed the Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin, against the house of Ephraim, so that, the, so that Israel was severely distressed. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, this is what I was telling you, cried out to the Lord, we have sinned against you because we have forsaken our God, have served the Baals. And the Lord said to the people, did I not save you from the Egyptians, 
from the Amorites, from the Ammonites, from the Philistines, the Sidonians, also the Amalekites, the Mananites oppressed you and cried out to me, and I saved you out of their hand. God has had so much patience, so much love, so much delivering power to his people. And look what he says, yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will save you no more. Go and cry out to the gods of whom you have chosen. Let them save you in the time of your distress. Let your gods show up in time of distress. And the people of Israel said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you, only please deliver us this day. So they put away the foreign gods, amen, they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And now, remember, he's like, go ahead, I'm not doing this, I'm done with you guys, but I want you to look at this because this is, I actually want to, he's not just this big angry God. When, when and if you think, even in the Old Testament, there's a tendency of he is really, he doesn't tolerate a lot of sin. He's just, ah, oh, you know, you could see that, right? He's just, he's righteous, he's wonderful. But he's a father. And you've got to see this. You've got to see it because it will help us understand when God deals with us. And so memory says, I'm not going to help you guys. But they said, you do whatever you got to do. And then what did they do? They started putting away their gods. They started living right and walking right and walking in humility and brokenness and all the wonderful things that God desires for his people. And, it's, and, and I underline this. And it says, and he became impatient over the misery of Israel. And if other, other versions will say, he started to feel the hurt. A dad, right? Oh, I told him I wasn't going to help him. I told him I wasn't going to bail him out, but I love these people. I love my kids. I'm not giving up on them. And so he didn't. Now look, and, and, and he delivers, does all this, and then it leads you over to Judges 13.1. Judges 13.1, it says people did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And then this is the story of Samson. Jesus, the, the, the angel of the Lord, comes and talks to Samson's parents and says, hey, listen, I want you to have a Nazarite vow. I want you to live this way, behave this way, so that he will live this way. And of course, I think if you've been raised in church at all, you know the story of Samson. He was a bad man. He, he was, a, in a good way, in an awesome fight way, he was a bad man in other ways. But, but you will see a decline in the book of Judges and this is the sad part. I think Andrew touched on this last week. The, the, you'll see, not only did the people do what was evil in the Lord, you start to see the leadership starts to do what's evil in the sight of the Lord. And it's, it's kind of it's all the way, like, okay, the people are bad, God is good, leaders are good. People are bad, leadership's a little shady. So much so that the one guy, he, he ends up making a deal because he's so pagan in his thinking that he, he says, the first person that runs out of the door, um, I'm going to sacrifice. I think it's Jephthah. 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 Wow. We got some great names in there. And he did this. But his, that, that, that's, how, that's, how, that's how bad this, this culture was getting. Isn't that crazy? So, I want you to think, God is a good father. He is just. He is right. He is true. But he is a father. It's very clear in Scripture. Now, look with me at Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. Now, I'm just going to throw some Scripture at you. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. I'm going to read it on this wonderful mountain. 
Um, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof or correction, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Look at that. That's truth. It's truth. So, all of us in here, can, it's easily possible for us to look and say, man, those people, those children of Israel and the judges, man, they, they were trash, you know. We're, they're horrible. We roll our eyes. Well, of course, I wouldn't be a good preacher if I didn't lean into you guys. What about you? What about you? It's easy to look at them, but what about your life or my life? What if somebody was recording your life right now. And a thousand years from now, somebody was going to get your, the book of Josh Sanders. We'll say somebody's going to get the book of Josh Sanders. Josh is like, please don't put me on the spot. He loves being put on the spot, so introverted. But anyways, like, so somebody got the book, or Mike Shea, somebody got the book and they read it. What would it say? What would it say? And I'm sure, you know, these are godly men, but I'm sure there's areas in their life they'd be like, I would prefer not having people read or see or know about, right? But guess what? God knows. God sees. God understands. God is not hidden from anything. So, church, where, where have you done evil in the Lord's eyes? Let me say it this way. Where are you doing evil in the Lord's eyes? Christians. I'm talking to Christians. This message is for Christians. It's, it's a beautiful thing to know that God sees and God still loves you. God cares enough to discipline you. What about in your life? What in your life if I had, whoo, this would be embarrassing. If I had even, even some of the most sincere Christians, mature Christians, whatever you want, if I had some video footage of their lowest points in the last year, Nobody else knew it. God, God came to me and said, here, show this. And it'd be embarrassing, right? It'd be embarrassing. Maybe some cuss words, maybe some gossip, maybe some other things, right? And then we could go even further into the mind. God says, hey, let me show you their thoughts for the last year, right? It would be, it would be sad. You wouldn't want to see that. I wouldn't want to see that. So, God is a good father, and God is working with everybody in this church that loves him. And he's not only, I heard this song this morning, good, good father. And that's a good song. I like it. But we have a tendency, and we have a church culture almost to the place where it's like, my good father never does any difficult or disciplinary things to me. He can only encourage me. And I'm a dad of four. If I parented only in that matter, my kids would be train wrecks. If I only pointed out the good, the encouraging, you did, and that it is vitally important. It's essential as fathers to speak to our kids in those manners. But let me tell you something. If you never look at them and say, stop this, don't do that, don't go there, I don't want you out that late, don't drive this fast. If you never did that as a dad, one could say, do you really love those kids? See? Father's love. God loves us. Psalm 94, 12 says, Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, whom you teach out of your law. Psalm 118, 18, The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Psalm 119, 67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, 
but now I keep your word. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. 1 Corinthians 11.32 says, But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And then, of course, my Lord, my Savior, my friend, Jesus says in Revelations 3.19, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Isn't that, I mean, whoa, there's a lot in there on discipline. There's a lot in there on discipline. There's a lot to be said about this. And God is good. And God loves you. So in my tone and kind of, you know, like, it's easy to think God's just, just, he does this because of love. He does this to his kids. He works with us through discipline. He works through us through some of those difficult ways that discipline will work because he loves us. Keep that in mind as I speak. Keep that in the forefront of your brain. Okay? Let me ask you this, and this is, just be honest, because this will make us all feel a little better. In here, Christians, raise your hand if you've ever been chastised by God. All right. If you're a Christian and you haven't, you will be. I'm just not, <laughs> don't speak that on me. No, but what, look, that was in good company. What that means is there's a lot of people in here that understand that God loves them, and, and sometimes God, he disciplines them and me to get us looking up to get us like the people and judges, to get us where we're like, I'm listening, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Now, I think there would be some, some teaching here that I need to do real quick because it's easy to think, fall into this idea that trials and chastisement are the same thing. And they're not. They're not. Trials come on Christians too. Everybody in here that has been or will be, trials happen. Difficult situations. A trial, James 1, 2 through 4 says, let's go there if you can. And I'm, I'm going to get back to chastisement, but I don't want you to misunderstand that trials and chastisement are the same thing. I think, um, Christians, we've got to understand the difference of these. One, James 1, 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Trials test your faith, which produces what? Steadfastness. Steadfastness is firmly fixed in uh, a place, or firmly fixed in place. You are immovable. Trials happen so that you become solidified in who God is, where God has you, and what he is doing, right? Trials grow you. They mature you. They establish you. They're not typically used to correct you. Discipline is typically to correct. You're wrong here, change. You're wrong in that area, change. You're wrong with that thing, change. A trial is absolutely, 1 Peter 1, 6 says, it's the testing or test the genuineness of your faith. Trials are faith testing and faith building. Chastisement is correcting your wrongness, Okay? I actually, this is, a, this is my commentation, so you might think it's stupid, but I'm going to say it. Chastisement is, the, is, is to change your character. Trials are to reveal to you God's character. You hearing me, church? Chastisement is to change your character. Trials are to reveal 
to you God's character. So it's real easy for me because God has taught me a lot through money. He just has. I, I was a businessman, not qualified, not skilled, not good at, at running a business. But probably around 23 years old, right, Hez, 23, I started doing my job earlier than that, but I actually got, I became the owner of my business, Dentech, at 23. God entrusted me with this. Just, and so I started learning, and God has started teaching me through money. So Heather and I move over, and you, many of you know the story. So Heather and I move over uh, to Indiana. We have a lot of bills, a new area. Business is not making a lot of money. And so what God had did in this season was a trial. I didn't need to change anything necessarily at that time. I needed to understand that God was trying to create, tell me he was trying to make my faith steadfast. So here's what I mean. So I had seasons where I said, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I have a wife and a kid or two kids soon, and she doesn't work, and I'm the only provider, and this is hard. And it was a trial. Because why? Because I learned something. I learned to, to really dig into the word. And if Jesus Christ looks at you through scripture and he says, don't you worry, then don't worry. If he says, I'll provide for your bills, he'll provide for your bills. See, I would cry because it means the world to me. Psalm 34, this poor man cried out and the Lord delivered him out of all of his trouble. That was a trial. I didn't need to change anything. I just needed to hold on. I just needed to trust God. I just needed to be faithful, wake up, go to work, get on my knees, pray, and say, Lord, I don't know how we're going to pay the bills, but you are faithful to your word. He taught me how to be steadfast. He taught me that he's faithful to his word. He taught me that if I, if I believe this, like he tells you, he says, listen, guys, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. If he says it, then your trial can show you that you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Right? Amen? Hopefully somebody needs to hear that. That's a trial. Now, in the exact same place, exact same characters, Jeremiah, roughly 2007, Jeremiah has a tendency of getting prideful. <laughs> he does. I don't know why I laugh. It's probably bad. So <laughs> me and God have this thing going. I, 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 so here I am, same blessings for seven years plus years, my business increased every year to a place where it was like, whoa, big numbers, right? Wow, wow, wow. I'm a guy that gets blessed through hailstorms. If, so if you guys want to join me in praying for hail damage on our cars, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I do, I'm not kidding about the hail. Uh, <laughs> but no, and so the Lord had given a lot of storms and, 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 and a lot of hail, and it was just like, whoa, he was so faithful to that word and we weren't any longer in that, that like season of, I don't know how I'm gonna pay my bills, we're having some fun, I might be stupid with some money, I was doing all, but here's the point. I started thinking that I was the equation or the part of the equation that really mattered. I started thinking every year, when you have good year after good year after good year, you can start to think, I'm good. I'm a great businessman. I'm, I'm, I got the favor of the Lord. Anything I do is going to be blessed. Anything I do is going to be just, woo. That was stupid. Nobody should believe that. But I did. I started buying into that. So 
2007, we, we were substantially hit harder than 2008. Cash for clunkers, car business got hit. There was a, there was a chastisement in my life to discipline me, not in a horrible way, but in a real way that started teaching me I'm not that big of a deal. God is the deal. And it's okay what, if, God, if the next year's not as big as that last year, that's okay. Because his promises are he'll provide. So I started changing. Then eventually he led us to even some taxes. Do you know who can chastise you sometimes in your businessman? It is a tax man, right? You start, the government. The government, amen? And so the government, you get hit with this giant, and, and you know what? I wasn't putting money aside that I needed to. Things got scary. Boats got sold. Bikes got sold. Everything got sold, right? And it was a very scary chastisement. Hence the, the fact that I had boats and other things, and I didn't have enough for my, ta my taxes. So you're thinking, Jeremiah's an idiot businessman, you know? He's great to have as an elder, right? Because, boy, we're, you know, this guy, yeah. Um, the Lord's taught me a lot through a lot of that. But the, the, the truth is, that's, that's my point. One was, to, one was to show me, to make me steadfast, trust God. The chastisement was to change me. You have a wrong way of thinking here, son. You have a wrong way. You have a pride problem. You have something that is off that I want to correct because if I don't, it's going to lead towards trouble. Thank you, Jesus, for chastisement. Thank you, Jesus, that he's faithful to, to, to get us, and he does chastise those whom he loves. So, anybody relate to any of that? There's a lot of areas of chastisement, but that's, that's kind of my story. So, I want to dive into ch chastisement here for a while, and actually, there's, there's, there's probably, there's no better place to go to than Hebrews 12. So, Hebrews 12, if you turn there, we're going we're gonna, to, I'm going to, Spend the rest of today discussing chastisement and how the Lord changes us through it and how it looks and how it feels and, and all those wonderful things. So Hebrews 12, I'd like to, uh, we'll come back to 1 through 3, but I want to start at 3. I'm going to read through 3 through 11 and we're going to unpack it. Consider him who endured from sinners the such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Here it goes. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have endured. It is for indiscipline that you have endured. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. That's a pause. Every Christian has to understand. God loves you. God won't let you keep getting away with ungodly things. God will deal with you. God will chase you down. God will correct you. God sees it. And it, it sometimes we're like, I don't know. If you truly love Jesus and Jesus truly loves you and you're born again Christian, I assure you this scripture will happen in your life and you shouldn't run from it or be upset about it. You should say, thank you, Jesus, that you love me enough to discipline me. Amen. Change the way we look at chastisement. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you won't let me go down that path of destruction. Amen. 
We have to because if we're his, this is a word. Otherwise, it's scary if someone says, I've never been chastised by God and I've been a Christian for 20 years. And I would say, you're either the best Christian ever or do you really love him? Is he really yours? Have you truly, is he the Lord of your life? Have you submitted to him? It's another question. For they disciplined us for a short time it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, for our good that we may share in his holiness. In his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Okay, what can we learn? God loves us, so he disciplines us, right? Big point. Our good, his holiness. Did you guys see that? What Our good, okay, for they discipline, talking about our earthly fathers, for a short time as they seem best to them, just like I told you earlier with my kids, I'm not a very good dad if I'm never disciplining them. I'm not a very good dad if I'm not ever saying, stop it, don't do it, don't go there. But our father doesn't operate like that. He's a good father, so he, he disciplines us, and he says, for what? Disciplines us for our good. Our good. Isn't that good? It's good news. And I know it doesn't sound like good news, but it's, it's this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Oh, ah, roll out. God says, straighten up. It's good. It's security. It's hope. It's help. Sometimes we're stubborn kids and we can't learn any other way other than a spanking from God. Right? It's the truth. I know it sounds crazy, but I know stuff. I mean, we all raise our kids differently, right? Four kids, different, four ways of disciplining them. It's just the truth. I have a brother that uh, same parents were, were 17 months apart, 18 months. How, how far apart are we? I keep saying, well, I'm not even going to say the term. It's derogatory. So anyways, it's wrong. But <laughs> me and my brother, he's my older brother. He was a tough, hard-headed kid. He, he took a lot of discipline. He got kicked off the bus. He got kicked out of school. He got, I was playing basketball one time, and we were supposed to be at the same open gym, and somebody says, hey, your brother's out in the parking lot fighting someone. So anybody got a brother like that? Maybe you're like that. So, and here's the good news. Mom and dad, same parents. They loved him. They loved me. They disciplined us a little differently, right? So, and the truth is he loves Jesus now. Jesus disciplined my brother a little differently than he disciplined me, and he loves Jesus. Jesus was faithful. Got him. Thank you, Lord. So it looked different. His walk looks different. My walk, your walk look, looks different. Discipline looks different. So, but look at it. It's for our good that we may share in his holiness. God's disciplining you in areas so that you would get, get for your benefit. Not because he's a jerk or wants to take something away from you, but for your benefit, for your good. And look, for his holiness. Share in his holiness. Why am I being disciplined? Because God wants me to be holy. Why? Because he is holy. And God knows the best way to walk on this earth is like him, holy and righteous, just like Jesus. Okay? Now, what else do we see in here? For the moment, all discipline seems painful. For the moment. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody going through a disciplinary area and God and you, it's what? It's painful. It can be spiritually painful, mentally painful. You, you, can, you can be beat up, wore out, tired. It's discipline. It's painful. So just because you're going through a painful season and you're learning something, doesn't mean God doesn't love you. In fact, turn that around. That's what I'm here to say today. That's often love. It's painful. God loves me. Think in those matters. Rather than pleasant, 
But later, look what the pain does. Later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You're being trained by it. I'm being trained by it. God's growing us into something. I, um, well, let's see how much time I got. Okay, I got to hustle. I'm gonna, I was going to tell a story about myself, but I have a tendency to talk a lot about myself when I'm up here, but gosh dang it, nobody cares, Jeremiah. Um, so uh, this, is just a, this is a cobblestone story, and I have permission to tell it, just so don't think that I'm, I'm crossing lines. Cobblestone story. Cobblestone, a few years back, my timelines are muddy because I'm an elder, and it's just, there's a lot. We've been going through a lot. This has been a rough year, right? This has been a rough year for cobblestone you know, in eldership, and we just need your prayers, we need your help, we need your love, we need your patience, and John's right, man, God is doing a work, a, a total work, these, these, el- I mean, I'm, you got me, I'm going to preach on a side note here, I'm so excited about the future of cobblestone right now, I could dance, I won't, but I could, because God is redoing things, he's refocusing things, he's blessing us, he's leading us, he's answering prayers, he's regrouping people, he's reestablishing callings and fires and desires, he's showing up in prayer times, he's showing up in elder times, he's showing up in our staff meetings, he's showing up! So I say, thank God for 2020, for this church. God is good, he's leading us to something wonderful. So, side note. But in the spirit of cobblestone, we hired a youth pastor oh, a while back, a couple years ago, three years ago. Don't write that down. I don't know. I was on the committee. I was a big part of all this, but I don't remember. Anyways, his name was Davin Eastman. We hired Davin. Davin's my friend. I love Davin. Uh, I work with Davin. Davin, and many of you remember this, had a drinking problem. Davin didn't tell anybody he had a drinking problem. Davin... And J.C. knew it, but he wasn't bringing anybody else into that reality. J.C. was praying that he would actually be, she would be, she, she told me when it all went down, she said, I'm glad because it's got to come out. This is a problem. This young man loves Jesus. This young man's leaning on alcohol. When times get tough, he went to the bottle. Or times get, and so anyways. So we hire him. I get the uh, phone call one night from J.C. She says, I don't know where Davin's at. She went down to a woman's thing. He was gone. He literally went and got lit up, drunk, drove through a field. And guess who gets to go and bail him out of jail? It's Brookville, Jeremiah. And I learned a lot. I was mad. I was hurt. All the emotions that many of you felt. So anyway, so I go, and, and he's, he's, he's honestly too drunk to even let out for that night. So then I call Andrew, and I said, Andrew, you sitting down. Why? What's going on? <laughs> I said, our youth pastor's in jail drunk. Oh, my God. I shouldn't laugh, but... That's sometimes it's all I got. But it was, you're just like, no! So we get up in front of you. We have a special elder meeting. We get up in front of you guys. We say, we choose to try to restore a man who's made a mistake, who has a, a certain problem. We won't sweep it under the rug. We aren't going to be secretly secret with the church. We're going to just be honest and open. He made a giant mistake. He hurts lots of people. It's going to be very, very difficult. It's going to be hard on our kids. It's going to be hard on the church families. And it was, and there was a lot of good and bad in all that season. But here's the point. I talked to Davin this week and I just, I'm blunt. I said, Davin, tell me the truth. Have you drank? He said, not a drop since that night. And he said, tell them, tell my family in cobblestone, you have freedom. You use this story. Tell them, 
that they were a part of helping me. They were a part of helping me become a better man, a better husband. And, and, and guys, ace and not a drop. And here's something else. It's been a hard year for Davin and JC in Texas. Hard year. They had another baby, little boy. And he said, I'm working nights. JC's working days. We don't get to see a lot of each other. He said, we are financially strapped. It's been hard. But he said, I'm telling you, any other season of my life, this is when I would go to alcohol. But he said, I'm going to Jesus. And I'm trusting him. And he works. And he said, I shouldn't have the peace I have, but I have it. I shouldn't have the hope that I have, but I have it. He said, it's hard. In any other season in his life, he would have went to the bottle. But because of the chastisement of our God and his faithfulness, he turned this young man around and said, you don't need to lean on alcohol to get you through difficulties and tough times. That's a word. So you see how sometimes, well, I don't have problems. Let me say, church, let me preach to you a minute. What do you go to in tough times? What's your default? See, chastisement isn't sometimes life-wrecking. Sometimes it's an area. Sometimes it's a marriage. You don't wait till your marriage is in the can to start praying over it, right? That's truth. I know it. I pray over my marriage all the time. And sometimes, 21 years, sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. We have to pray. Because it is it's like, God, I can see it. I can see it coming. This marriage is going to fail. This marriage is going to fail if you're not gracious. Chastise what you want to chastise. Take what you want to take. Show me what you want to show me. But get us through. And Jesus does. Isn't that good? So young man, Davin, he's headed in the right path. Be, keep him in your prayers. And, uh, and also, also another testimony, he said that he is off of all anxiety and antidepressants, which is the season. This is crazy talk. Because 2020, when you're living his life, you should be popping those things like Tic Tacs. But instead, he's got Jesus Christ so real, so alive, so evident in his life that he's like, wow, I'm, even that, I'm okay. I'm okay. Life's hard, but I'm okay. Life's difficult. It's unpleasant, but I'm okay. Isn't that good? I'm not down on you if you have to take anti-anxiety and depression. Don't read into that. But for him, it's a breakthrough. All right? So let's get on with this. Oh, how do we live, and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to land the plane. How do we live in a way so very little discipline is needed? It's a good question, Right? I'm not a big fan of getting disciplined. I'm just going to say it. It's painful. It's not fun. I've been there. I've lived there. I don't want to go back. So how do we not do that? So Judges 17.6 and Judges 21.25 was kind of the inspiration of this. The real simple answer, this is another thing they kept saying. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. If you read through Judges, you saw that. No king. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That is the first thing on how you don't, how you don't go down chastisement. Stop doing what's right in your own eyes. Amen? If you think, as a Christian, I can, I can ignore Scripture and clear teaching and do what's right in my own eyes and that won't lead me to a path of chastisement, you are wrong. You're sadly mistaken. Okay? I love you enough to tell you that. Somebody's got to tell you, if you think that I can just keep doing whatever I want, even if the Bible says this and I love Jesus, dad's going to deal with you because he loves you. So don't do that. Now another one, judge ourselves truly. Judge ourselves truly. In uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. 27. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. 27. 
It's communion. You know you're supposed to take communion a lot, right? A lot. Early Christians, I don't know. Weekly, daily, monthly, it doesn't matter. It's not like it's a big thing. But what I'm, to my point is, this is something you should do very regular. So let's just read it. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person, here it is, let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Verse 30. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. I'm not touching that, but that's, that's some scary scripture there. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So let me, let me suggest this to you, uh, church body. You as often as you take communion, you should be looking at your own life and taking account and saying, am I, how am I doing? How am I doing? Am I holding grudges? I need to go resolve it. Am I bitter? I need to go deal with it. Am I, being, am I watching stuff I shouldn't watch? I need to go confess it and get rid of it. Is my marriage good? I need to work on it. How am I handling my money, my time, my energy, my job, my life? Judge yourself. Don't pretend that we're good, I'm good, I'm, go, I'm going to church, I know some songs, I'm great. No, look at yourself in a, a, a real, humble, broken spirit. Get over, I love the new season of Cobblestone on that. We are getting over of all of us coming together and acting like we got it all together. We're realizing we are a mess. We're, I'm in, a, I'm in a, a group of parents, a small group of parents that have teenage kids, and we're realizing we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and we need to pray for each other a lot. And, and, and it's difficult seasons out there. So I judge myself. I judge myself. It's okay. Didn't do good there. Forgive me, Jesus. Oh, I need to grow there. Help me. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? He's working on us. He's helping us. He actually, you're not alone in that. He wants you to grow. He wants you to produce fruit. He wants to change you so you bring him into that that situation, and it just on the, by, the, by the very act of taking communion, right? It's like, Jesus, this changed me. Work on me. It's good. All right? What do we do in the season of being disciplined or maybe just come out of it? This is my last point. The other one is how do we not go there? Well, let's be honest. I've been there. I hope I'm not going into any discipline season soon but I might be. And if I am, what do I do? How do I navigate through it? What's the best attitude to have? Okay, so Hebrews 12, look at Hebrews 12, 12. There's good teaching on it. Hebrews 12, 12 through 13. It just is just right after he talks about the, the discipline. 12 says, therefore, lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather healed. We'll just stop there because I think that's what I really need to focus on. When you're going through a chastised season, God loves you, but you will feel droopy. Anybody ever felt droopy? Therefore, lift your drooping hands. And actually, 
other Bibles, they say like you're carrying something. It's like, you know, you're, you're, where's my axe? It's like you're carrying, that's something a guy should never say from stage. So you're carrying this and it's getting heavy in this discipline and it's a re-grip. It's, it's a, you, it's a, gosh, God, am I, oh, I'm so, it's a, oh, re-grip, okay? I like this too because a lot of, there's not a lot of scripture that talks about where you could say buck up, <laughs> and I said buck up. All right, re-grip, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. You're going through something, guess what? We're a part of God's body, we go through stuff. We re-grip, <sighs> get part of being a Christian. It's part of being a man or a woman of God. It's part of walking this life out. It's part of trusting Jesus to that next level that you're like, it's hard, but I'm okay. It's not easy, but I'm going to make it. Oh, and I love it because I love the, I, I mean, I, I like to think a little bit sometimes like a coach in Christianity and it's like, get up, buck up, pull it together. Oh my goodness, pull it together. Sometimes it's not time to cry and mope and complain and text. My life's so hard. No, you say, I'm all right, Jesus. Mm, I'm all right. Because I got a God that he, you know what the Bible says? He got chastised for your peace. He didn't deserve chastisement, but he took it. And Isaiah says he got chastised for your peace. Jesus took, took that cross. He handled it. Can you handle the chastising? Get through it. Hold on. Stand up, fight. You got this. We lean on each other. We trust God in this. Now look at the next thing he says. Make straight, I wanted to break this. I should, that would be a horrible gesture to the, the, I don't think I probably could have probably hurt my knee. Did you get chastised? God, have mercy. All right, so look, he says, and make straight paths for your feet. Make straight paths for your feet. Why? Why? Why do I need straight paths? So that I, so that what is lame may be put, not put out of joint, but rather be healed. You've been chastised because of the path you've chose. God wants to change the path. Hear me. Jeremiah had to change the way I handled my money because I understood that that's wrong. I had to change my pride when I tore my knee because I was prideful. Run. God changed my path. And my path went not go to college basketball anymore. My path said go towards Jesus. It was, it was tears and hardship and difficulty and, and difficult times. But I trusted the Lord enough to change my path. And I did. So why? So I could get healed. Healed. Change your path. Make a different road. Look a different way. Well, that, that, here's what I like to think. Well, that's too rough. Now, I've been on this path. It's not working so well. So Jesus, will you show me what path to walk down? And you start getting in your scripture and you start doing things that he's telling you to do. And you say, all right, this is going to be better. And you start to heal because you're on God's path now. God changes us that way. Amen? Amen? All right, and I close with this. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Kind of flipped it up, put the, the chapter upside down. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great of a cloud of witnesses, in your season of chastisement, in your reality of difficulty, in the hard times, understand that you're not alone. The, crowd, the cloud of witnesses refers to chapter 11, and it's really basically the, 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 what are the hall of fame of he, he, heroes of faith, hall of fame almost couple judges guys are in there, talks about Samson, talks about, I think, um, Deborah's in there, I don't know. But I, either way, talks about all these people 
right? And that's what he's referring to, uh, or she's referring to. No, I don't know who all, I don't know. I doubt she wrote that, but shut up, Jeremiah. Anyways, <laughs> my mind sometimes, guys. Um, anyways, look, look, here's the point. Here's the point, guys. What have you gone through? What are you going through? What's the Lord speaking to you? And then if you have this surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I actually kind of wanted to say this, and I'm going to say it. Okay, of course you look to the guys and the, and the girls in the past, right? Look at them. Look at judges. Look at these heroes. Look at these people that trusted God. Look at these people that lived it out. Look how hard it was for them. And so that, that's, that's part of how you fight in this season. But I want to say this. I wanted to bring it to this, the great cloud of witnesses that are in this room. Look at your church body. Look at your circle of friends who disciples you. So there's saints that are dead and gone in heaven, and that's great. That's, that's probably what the author's referring to. But there's also Christians in your life right now, and I'm convinced Christians don't use Christians enough, especially now. I'm, I, we have a culture that is like Amazon culture. I buy a lot on Amazon Amazon boxes on my door pet, doorstep all the time. Thanks, Seth. But we, we live in the Grubhub world, right? We live, we live in, of course, COVID. I know it isolates, and I get it. I understand. But we have a tendency of, I want my Christianity that way, and it just doesn't work that way. It works with each other. It'll never change. You know, it doesn't change. You need each other. I need you. You need me. You need a circle. You need a group. You need brothers. You need a cloud of witnesses around you lifting you up when you are getting beat down. You need people in your life that will look at you and tell you you're crazy when you're crazy. You're wrong when you're wrong. Do you have that? Because let me tell you something. Cobblestones, we are walking in that now. Our elder meetings, they're getting fun. We talk real. We discuss real topics and we love each other. There's a, John said it best, there's a depth in the love and trust and we want it to start spreading out here in this church. Love and trust. You don't have to agree with me on everything, but do you love me and trust us? We're working it out. That spirit is growing in this church, okay? Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. This is another, lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Worship team, are we coming up here? Is there going to be a couple songs? Yeah, go ahead. I figured the references of this, this is probably it would have been enough, but no big deal. <laughs> I just, I'm messing with you guys. I'm messing with you guys. <laughs> the stage is small. Um, I know, babe. People would love it. They'd be like, forget everything I said. And they'd be like, remember, remember that guy I fell on his face? All right, so look at this. And I close with this. I'm finished with this. And I want you to worship with this. Um, verse two, looking to Jesus. We at Cobblestone, we are pretty, pretty excited about Jesus. I hope you're excited about Jesus. You make it through everything by looking to Jesus. Trials, look to Jesus. Chastisement, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Can you keep your eyes on Jesus? You'll be fine. Whatever you're faced with, whatever comes in your life, whatever, you, you keep looking to Jesus and you'll be okay. He's got you. He's got me. I'm more confident in that than anything. I look to Jesus. Don't know. Jesus. Don't understand. Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. 
He started your faith. He's going to perfect your faith. He's got you guys. He's got you guys who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He despised, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Isn't that beautiful? He's got you. Where's he? Right hand of the Father. He did it. You can do it. We're going to have prayer, um, some worship, some prayer. But I, uh, the prayer team told me that they really feel like that if you're dealing with anxiety or fear and it's just been really, really heavy on you this week, come and get prayer. We'll, we'll have some prayer people up here around these trees somewhere. <laughs> get prayer. Get real with each other. You got something. If you just need, if you're tired and you're just in a season of chastisement and you, you say, yeah, it's nice for you to say to regrip. I don't have the strength to regrip. Come and get, let, let's, let's pray together today and let's pray that God can give you the strength to regrip. Let's pray for your weak knees. You're going through something. Let's, 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 let's love on each other and pray with each other and lift up each other. Can we do that? All right, Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you, God, for this people that you love us so much that you won't let us go. That you love us so much that you will allow difficulties in our lives so that we can change and get all the good things that come. Father, will you minister to your people here for the next few moments? Will you lift up that, that, that fear and anxiety? It's a lot of that going around. And as we enter into the holiday season, Jesus, I'm sure it's just, it's, it's riddling our, your body. So free us, Lord. Bring healing and help to that. Bring the mind of Christ to those, Lord Jesus, that are struggling. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for tuning into the message today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged by the gospel. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. We love you. We're praying for you. Have a great week. God bless.